This is about humans dreaming together. About humans supporting each other on our journeys. It's about the science and the art behind making our dream lives a reality. To the students of life. The young and the curious. The dreamers and the doers. To those who crave to be a strong individual. And want to be part of something bigger than themselves. Welcome. 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 Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast. Welcome to the Dreamology Podcast, everyone. Dreamology is the study of the art and the science behind making our dream lives a reality. And on this show, we are focused on giving you the mindset, tools, and strategies for making daily progress towards your dreams, no matter where you are in your journey. My name is Tim Bishop. I am the co-founder of the Dreamers Initiative, a student of life, and a life conversation junkie who is on a mission to identify how to truly live the dream life and help you do the same. The guests on this show include best-selling authors, neuroscientists, entrepreneurs, and just dream chasers out in the world who share their knowledge, greatest stories, and life lessons with us. And before we dig in, I want to mention this podcast is brought to us by The Dreamers Initiative, a personal development community for helping Gen Z and millennials awaken their dream life and make them a reality. We believe humans are stronger together and that together we can accomplish anything. Let's get started on today's episode. Today's guest is two-time cancer survivor, musician, coach, husband, and father, Andy Nelson. And Andy inspired me from the moment that I met him because when he talks about his experiences with cancer, he talks about all of what he calls the gifts of cancer, the things that cancer showed him that he did not know before he had cancer, how cancer showed him that life is short and that we need to do our most important work now and that there's really no need to wait and that we shouldn't let the pressures of the outside world or others' expectations or our own old views or parents' expectations get in the way of the things that we are really supposed to do with our lives. And so before this interview, I asked Andy, I said, Andy, what I really want out of this conversation is to figure out how does someone get injected with that feeling of understanding that life really is short without having to have cancer? And so that's a big theme for the conversation here today. And so I'm excited to share with you all the amazing things that we talked about and the lessons that Andy has to share with us. So let's dig in. Andy, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thanks, Tim. This is, uh, I am super excited to be here, honestly. Um, one of the things I've realized lately, especially, is I just, I want to share my story and you know, ask good questions, uh, whether or not I have the answers or not. <laughs> and so I'm just excited to be here and talk with you today, Tim. That's, that's amazing. Um, well, why don't we dive right in? Because I know we got a lot of good things to talk about. Cool. Let's and do it. this is obviously the, the big topic of your story here. Um, but the, you know, you talk a lot about the gifts of cancer. And I want to just mm -hmm. dive into that because, and you can give a little bit of a backstory. Um, you know, I, I can ask some questions later on on the process and the journey of, of your sure, experience with sure. cancer. But I just right off the bat, when you talk about your gifts of cancer, there's I want, I want you to talk about like what you mean by that and what gifts you kind of have value from uh, the experience of what you've been through. Yeah, the gifts of cancer. 
It does. I mean, it's it's an odd phrase just to begin with. It is. Right? Let's it just, is. <laughs> let's just go there. It, it is odd. I, I, you know, what what I mean by that is, no matter what happens to us, there's always something good to be found, and part of life, I think, at least for me, has been, how can I uncover what the gift is there? What's what is next? And no matter how bad things are, uh, what can I do now? What can I do now? So it's really a lot about that question. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah, the, the thing that I take right away too is, and I know we've talked about this before is the, the idea that, you know, everyone has, I guess, and again, this is not to demean what you went through, but you know, their own cancer, like their own thing they're going through their own, their yeah. own struggle. And uh, so, you know, I, and I, again, this is a question that you might have thought about a lot, but do you think about like why you're able to see the gifts in these kind of things? Well, for others, it's really challenging to see the gifts and the struggle that we've been through. Like, is there a certain way that you go about viewing it that others could also, because everyone goes through struggles, right? And some seem to have this innate ability to see the positive and the gifts and some don't. So, you know, how do you, Yeah. why do you think there's that difference there? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Well, the first way I would answer that is, you know, I some people tend to be more uh, have a more of a positive outlook, and other people tend to have more of a negative outlook. You could say, or just able to find the problems more easily and, and pinpoint those. Um, there's no right or wrong. There is the first mm-hmm. thing that I'd say, and part of my journey these days, honestly, is appreciating the folks more who can you know, stick with the negative and, and focus on that. Because even though that's not the cloth from which I'm cut, um, there are gifts in that too. you know, help us uh, see mm-hmm. what's really going on and, you know, get as much data as possible about, about the challenge. So, um, so I want to be really um, thoughtful right at the front about, you know, ma- not making people wrong who don't have a positive attitude. Right. Right. Um, and, and honestly, now that I'm, uh, I'll, I'll say I've been, I've been upgraded to a two-time cancer survivor just hey. in the last couple of months. So celebrate, <laughs> celebrating that again, as odd as that sounds. But uh, one of the things that's coming with me this time around is that um, really to be with the negativity, at least for a moment or two, mm. before I jump on to saying, oh, this is, you know, no, this is so great. Hey, you know, now I'm upgraded to the two-time cancer survivor. And I know that some people are listening to this are saying, uh, wow, what a great positive attitude. And other people are saying, oh, what a pain in the neck, you know, unbearably positive guy that Andy Nelson is. Like, shut up, would you? I've had cancer <laughs> and it's terrible. The chemo was, was it sucked. It um I put neuropathy in my fingers and in my feet, so I can't even feel when I'm trying to run. Um, it makes me, uh, gives me uh, a sick to my stomach all the time. Um, I, I can't stand this cancer. And by the way, I'm worried if I'm, how long I'm actually going to live. I don't deserve this. This sucks. And you know what? All that stuff I just said is absolutely true of me as well. And I feel mm-hmm. that and I feel that deeply. And you know what? This is the lot that I've been cast. This is, you, you already know, Tim, that I'm a man of faith. And um, this is a cross that apparently I'm, that I am bearing and that I meant to bear. And if it's for God's greater glory, then bring it on. 
like like mm. I'm here to share my story and see what I can do next. Yeah. Yeah, you I mean you bring up a point that I was already thinking about before our conversation which was you know there there must be moments of of low, moments of you know, I mean hardship that you went yeah, through and you know, actually, I had a conversation with somebody the other day about something you just said, which is just allowing yourself to feel those emotions um, instead of mm-hmm. pushing them aside and burying them. Um, but my follow-up question to that would be, when do you know it's time to, like, when do you know that feeling the emotion is no longer serving you? You know, mm-hmm. you, you sit in it and you you acknowledge, like, this this sucked. Like, this was not an enjoyable experience to go through all of this. Um, but, you know, when do you make the switch or, or are they both always there? You know, can you just talk about the dynamic of, cause I think it's okay to say, you know, wow, I had a, a bad day or a bad month or a bad year. I went through all this stuff, but you know, w- what's the, cause you found your gifts. Like what is the balance between feeling the negative emotion and striving to view the gifts or, you know, just moving forward with, with life, mm. I guess. What's the balance of it? Yeah. And balance may not be the right word. I don't know yeah. what the right word is. No, there. I, th- I think it's, I think it's a beautiful word, actually. I think it's, it's a good one to consider. Um, because you're right. There's, um, there are times where it's, it's great to focus, you know, a season and a time for everything. Right. And there, there's a time to focus on that as um, the counselor I'm seeing now, who is an awesome counselor as she has pointed out. Um, Sometimes you got to taste the lemons before you start making lemonade. <laughs> and I love that because <laughs> I, I, your listeners already can tell, right, that I, I tend to more of the positive side of being able to find the meaning and finding, oh, this is a gift. And, that's, and, and thank God for that. I'm so thankful for that gift. I think I honestly believe it's part of why I'm still alive, that I'm able to do that. Mm. And um, Sometimes I need to pause before I start making lemonade to say this sucks. <laughs> like, this is Let me just be clear, right? And and even in my prayer life, to be, you know, Martin Luther said the first rule of prayer I think is, uh, don't lie to God. Like mm. like it, like fake it till you make it has its value absolutely. Or as I like to say, you know, fake it till you become it. I think is even more helpful. But. In your prayer life, you know, sometimes we tend to be so like, oh, thank you, God, you know, for everything. It's just a wonderful life. And just appreciate all your blessings. You know, amen. Thanks for the, thanks for the food. Amen. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute. This day just sucks. This really <laughs> freaking sucks. And mm-hmm. by the way, I'm not happy at all that my cancer came back a second time. This is pissing me off. And to be able to be honest about that, taste those lemons. Honestly, at least that's part of what I'm still discovering for myself. Just being honest, be truthful, mm-hmm. be direct about that. Um, and then when you feel like you got it out of your system to finally answer your question a little bit, Tim, like, okay, whew, that feels better. <laughs> I was honest. And now, okay, what, what can I do next? What, what yeah. can I do about this? Or, or even mm-hmm. maybe like, question you know as you know part of my history is is and currently i'm an executive coach and career coach and i'm like how long do i want to stay there just asking yourself that question it's kind of self-coaching right but how long do you want to complain about this andy do you want to take an hour you want to take a day take a week like i'm a choice and Hmm. be able to answer that question honestly give yourself that time 
and then move on. Hmm. Yeah, I like I like that self coaching, <laughs> self coaching there. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's, right. What's you're, you're you're thinking about that a little bit? What's coming up for you, Tim? I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking about. It's, I mean, my yeah, my thought based off what you said is almost like it takes time to kind of build some awareness around how you're feeling and, and what you're feeling. And, and you're still maybe even going through that process right now. Totally. But yeah. once you learn to kind of sit with it and understand, okay, here's, here's honestly what's going on. Here's how I feel that that's almost like the moment you can go, okay. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like these two things came together, how you're viewing it, what's actually happening. And then you go, and then once you have that understanding, then you kind of said, all right, now I can make the choice as to how I want to proceed. So that was a great, a great answer to a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Glad, glad I'm on the scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, we'll do, we'll do some weirdest. tally marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please keep track. Yeah. Um, I, I got to tell you that that word that you just used is, is one of my favorite words, awareness. Hmm. There's, there's so much to that, Tim. And um, whether you're coaching someone or, yes, trying to coach myself, I, th- I think there can be so much goodness there in just, just pausing to be aware. Hmm. Um, and, you know, people might say, well, pff, that's kind of, that's kind of dumb. Like what, like there's a chair, like what, what's the awareness that's important here? But no, I mean about the most important stuff in our life. And I mean, because hmm. we're so hectic, man, life's moving so fast. We've got all this information around us, you know, asking for our attention and uh, you know what? I've got the, the Apple, I, the Apple, uh, excuse me, the Apple watch now. And it's, uh, it tells me to pause when it can tell my heart rate's going up and take a breath, you know, like a minute of deep breathing. And wouldn't you That's know, cool. like, <laughs> it, it is, it's super cool. And wouldn't you know, it's, it's right. I can tell because at the time when it's telling me that I'm like, I can't stop now. I mean, I got to get to a meeting. You can't tell me to take a minute and stop, take a breath. It's like, Oh, you're actually right. <laughs> Now's the perfect time for me to take one minute of deep breathing and just take a chill pill, you know, just take a pause, be aware Hmm. of the fact that I am like crazy busy and there's lots of stuff going on. And yes, I just had chemotherapy last week, which is true. And yes, I'm going into back to the Mayo Clinic next week for scans to see where the cancer has gone. Has it increased? Has it decreased? Has it stayed the same? Yeah, I got stress, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? Today, I can still take a time to pray. I can take time to pause and to be aware, to use your word, of what's around me, both the good and the bad, and then move on. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great word. I mean, I feel like every you know self-help or motivation book or anything that I've read, <laughs> that's kind of where everyone starts. And it's something that it's it it doesn't feel innate. Like it, it doesn't like from the beginning of time, you're not just kind of like, Oh, I'm going to be aware about everything. But the more you like, the more you dive into it, it seems like it's the foundation for a lot of things. Like yeah. just self-awareness, awareness of mindfulness, whatever, you know, just, just being, having that like knowledge of, of, okay, this is what's actually going on in my life. Instead of just being pulled by, you know, external and everything else that's going on. And- oh, totally true. Not being pulled by the external. And we, we're always at choice, right? We get to choose what we're going to focus on and what we're going to be aware of. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I think we can get so wrapped around the axe where we're like, oh, I got to be more aware, you know, now and suddenly I'm not aware because I'm getting so <laughs> wrapped around the axle trying to be aware. Um, 
but we're, we're at choice of what to be aware of, right? And, and so I think that might actually be a little um, extended answer to one of your earlier questions for me, which I really enjoyed, which was, you know, um, well, one of the phrases that I appreciate, I, I can't remember who came up with this first here. Um, Dr. Wayne Dyer mentioned it at one point, but what you focus on expands. And so mm. what do you want to focus on? And yes, when things are crappy, um, it's good to acknowledge the truth. Like, don't bury the truth. Absolutely. And then at a certain time, um, just know that if you continue to focus on that and that awareness of how crappy it is that I have cancer again, I didn't see this coming, didn't want that. Um, if I keep focusing on that, that might, that might take me to a place where I don't want to want to go. And at least yeah. that's true for me. And so yeah. <clears throat> I can decide instead to say, um, wow, I'm looking out my basement window right now and I see this cardinal in the trees and it's mm. in, in the middle of this cold Minnesota winter. That is just such a beautiful sight. That's what I'm going to focus on right now. Yeah. There has been some beautiful winter days here. Like I don't love winter, but I'm also doing like my best to go outside and be like, wow, the snow oh. in the trees does look good today. Same here, man. I, it's not, <laughs> it is definitely not my favorite season but yet yeah like yeah. you you got it you got it going on too don't you you've got the you've got the positive attitude you can redirect <laughs> yourself so uh I, yeah i, I mean the yeah tell me the, tell me how you do it yeah well i was i mean because i'm relating this obviously i always just hear this and then self-reflect on what's going on in my life but i mean that's yeah. been for sure the experience for me like I think this was uh barbara fredrickson i don't know if you know who that is she's mm, a psychologist yeah. at unc but she had kind of said something along the lines of, you know, when you commit to making a positive choice for yourself, and I believe she was talking about like meditation and like mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And she was basically, she was saying, you know what? I can't really tell if it's mindfulness as a whole, that is, that is what's causing people all these benefits, but it's like making the choice to commit to something like that kind of leads to a compounding evolution of positive behaviors in your life. And and I've started to notice that for sure as like I committed to one simple thing, which was kind of like, or hard thing, but it was one commitment, which was, let's just figure out what your ideal life is in the terms mm. of the podcast. Like what is an extraordinary life? Yeah. And let's just commit to that. And then let's go from there. And, and as I've started to build now, it's been about a year, a year or so since I've committed to that. Um, over the course of time, you just become more and more and more and more and more mindful as you dig through all the crap and, and you know, yeah. a couple of months you're like, that sucked. I hated that, but all right, now let's go here and now let's figure this out. And so for me, it's been just like a compounding effect to the point where now I'm, I love the challenge of a new challenge. I love the idea of trying, mm. oh, here's this, you know, here's this new like plant-based diet that people are trying. Like, what can I learn about food? Or here's this new meditation technique. What can I learn about this? Or here's this person who's been through this. What can I, and I've just grown kind of obsessed with that process. And I think through that, I've been able to, because I've felt some lows, I know like I'm, if we're going to use our aware term, I feel like I'm more aware mm -hmm. when they're coming. And I, then I step back and say, okay, you're not, something's not right. And I try to step back and figure out what it is and like tweak it if possible mm -hmm. and then, and then move forward. So it's just, 
when I, when I see those things coming, trying to see them and then figure it out, like what's a fun, creative way I could tackle this, this problem. And actually a great example is I, I won't ramble for too much longer, but a great example is, Oh, I'm very curious is what I'm doing right now. So I, I just started this this week, actually it's, it's February. This interview won't be released till, till later on. So for listeners, this was recorded in February. Um, but, Mm. um, I, I noticed that, you know, being an entrepreneur and having my days kind of up to my control that I was, I was kind of extending days and I was realizing that maybe, maybe that wasn't serving me. Like maybe the, the quantity of hours, um, was, was there was, I was losing a little bit of quality potentially by just mm. kind of viewing my day as a, okay, it's an open book. Like I can work from eight to two and then take a, you know, go work out and, and do this. And then I can work from six to 11 PM if I want. Like, and in January, did you notice that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, in January I was like, I'm going to just work my butt off and I did it and I got far and I enjoyed it. But towards the end of the month, I was like, okay, this isn't a sustainable approach. So let's, what can we, what can we fix? Like what are, I'm starting to feel a little bit like uneasy. And I was like, well, let's see what the opposite looks like. So now I'm like, all right, I'm at February. I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. every day. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to meditate, journal, and I'm going to read a book for 15 minutes. And that's how I'm going to start my day. Wow. I'm going to try to, so all the good stuff is going to be right at the beginning. And then after that, I'm going to just heads down and I'm going to work. And then when like five o'clock hits, six o'clock, assuming there's nothing that's like pressing do the next day like my my day's done so now i'm like let's experiment with like the complete opposite let's try something yeah yeah totally different than what i was doing just to see if it serves me you know it's not like i'm committing to this for life but maybe i i learn a few amazing things about this and i already am learning that i love moving in the morning moving my oh, body in the morning isn't that cool and like a, a day begun well yeah is half one you know yeah like, so so cool. I, I love your noticing about that and, and appreciating the challenge. And now you've got a couple experiments in process or maybe one, you know, completed at least in the month of January, the second one, like, okay. And now you've got some new things that you can notice and be aware of. Yeah. I, I, I love that you mentioned that, Tim, and I'd love to hear more about your story with that too. I'm going to chime in with one additional thing because I, uh, so true story, after you and I agreed on a date just about a few days ago, that we were going to do this interview, uh, this conversation. Um, I woke up in the middle of the night right after that, like one in the morning, and I just had thoughts going through my head. And so I had to write down like there were these like, boy, I don't know, what do I even want to say? Or what do I possibly have to share that might be useful? And so I wrote down like three things, actually three concepts. And one of them is continuous learning Hmm. that has just kept me going for all these years, including through cancer, well, well before it <laughs> uh, and, and after it, you know, God willing, we'll get through this, this latest little, little batch and I'll be cancer free again. But you just mentioned that for yourself. What a beautiful example of continuous learning, you know, literally two months in a row. Oh, tried this. Here's what I noticed with that. Trying this. Here's, here's what I'm noticing. That mm. man, that's like continuous learning in a nutshell. Sweet. Well, if you yeah. don't mind sharing, what are the other, what are the other two bullet points? Oh well, yeah, while we're bringing it up, let's give you the teaser, right? Yeah, let's yeah. dive in. Let's go gotta, all the way. Got to dive into those. Yeah, yeah. Continuous learning is one of them, um, and and the other one, 
uh, is honestly, they ended up all being beginning with C for some crazy reason. Um, <laughs> the second one is control. And mm. I just want to let us sit with that word for a second because it conjures up typically for people, you know, a variety of feelings and, and thoughts about it. Right. And so what I mean with control just really briefly, and we can dive deeper if you'd like to is it's, it's a two-sided coin. It's control. Like what can I control and what should I control? Frankly, I know should is another very charged word. So I don't use that lightly, but especially thinking about, you know, you've got me thinking about my younger years, you know, up until this point too. And um, man, when, when I was younger, I, I thought I could control everything. You know, I, I really did. And, and even though intellectually understood that wasn't possible and, and, you know, being a man of faith, I realized God's really in charge, but you know, still pretty much, well, you know, I'm pretty smart. I got to figure <laughs> out, you know, I, I kind of know what to do. And you see things like, you know, the previous generations who are, you know, having life-threatening illnesses, for example, and you're like, oh, Maybe you read the latest research. Like all you have to do is like stop eating so many bacon cheeseburgers and donuts for crying out loud and you'll be fine. You know? And then like little did I know in my forties still, I would get life-threatening stage four cancer, right? As much as I tried to control it, I could not control that. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I had it figured out, got myself in shape, you know, was definitely never been a big, you know, donut and bacon cheeseburger guy, except maybe in my late teens or early twenties. But I just, I just love, as, as a former leader of mine once said, like, let's admire the, the problem just for a minute. Let's admire the question hmm. that how much can we control? How much can't we control? And how do we find that balance? So control is a big theme for me. And I'll just do a hmm. little sneak preview on the, the third one here is, is connectedness. And I intentionally am using that word and not connections, because I think connections, especially you know, when you're thinking about being younger in your careers, for example, sometimes connections like, oh, I get it. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Like, I just need to make a lot of connections, need to be powerful people, and they're going to get me that next job. Well, maybe, maybe not. Connectedness, in my way of thinking and feeling, is much deeper, actually. It's about, in, in the grand scheme of things, acknowledging that we're connected, like, to other people in the world in ways that we don't even fully understand. And I believe the sooner we realize that and really absorb it and are aware of it, isn't that word again? <laughs> um, that's, that's goodness there, like connectedness. And, and we can be very mm-hmm. deliberate about that. We can you know, see somebody who's also going through a procedure at Mayo Clinic. And even if we don't have a chance to have a conversation with them, just say a quiet prayer for them, mm-hmm. like whatever, or, or, or open it up to the, the whole room. Everybody who's waiting to get a scan like I'm going to be next Wednesday. Like, God, please help the person who is suffering the most in this room right now. That's a way of me practicing connectedness. And I haven't said any words out loud. Hmm. And then another way of connectedness I'll mention is friendship. And this is something that my, that my amazing wife, and I, I really want to mention her and how grateful I am for her getting me um, through cancer. She's just the ultimate caregiver. And Thank God she and I decided to get married almost 24 years ago because it's, it's <laughs> such a um, it's, it's such a wonderful marriage and I've learned so much from her. 
something that she has commented about me is that, you know, you're, you're pretty good with your relationships with, with your guy friends. And I thought, Hmm, am I I, like, I'm, I'm wondering, and I, to the extent that I, that I am, I think it's because I'm intentional about it. I think it's because if I've got a, somebody that I really connect with that, that who's a good friend, it doesn't matter if I'm going to move cross country. um, I'm going to find a way to stay in touch with that person, which I literally did. Great friend of mine, Mac Cherry, that's his real name, not a stage name, uh, but he is a musician. And uh, he and I worked together in bands uh, years and years ago. And then when I was getting ready, we moved to Austin, Texas for five years, loved living in that town. And I remember being extremely intentional. And I said out loud to him, I said, I will not let this friendship falter. We are going to stay connected. And I, that comes from a place, I just felt it in my bones, like this is too good of a man Hmm. Um, I look up to him. He's about 10 years older than I am. Um, such a man of faith, so strong with his family and his marriage and, and a great musician. I love playing music with him. I'm like, okay, that's, that's a good bingo. Like we're, we're not going to lose track of this friendship. I refuse to let it falter. Hmm. And, and we haven't. And to this day we stay connected. So connectedness and being really deliberate about that. That's, yeah, that's the third thing that came to my mind at one in the morning. So now you're <laughs> you were dreaming about it. Those subconscious thoughts were cooking in there. <laughs> that's it. It must have been something was cooking. Absolutely. Hmm. I love that word. I I I think I first heard that word from the Dalai Lama actually, who talked about oh, like interdependence really? or or something along that nature of just oh, yes the idea of this like false illusion that like independence exists when like we rely on literally everything for our existence <laughs> like oh so true you know, other people make our yes. food and the animals do this and the earth does this and you do this and and uh i think it's beautiful when you start to see you know the the inner workings of all of it and you can start to yeah. get, get that picture yeah. a bit oh amen to that i love that you know the dalai lama's work there's a a book that he came out with just a couple of years ago i think with a with somebody oh, else it's the book know? of joy yeah it's That's like my is, second man. favorite book of all time oh yes okay <laughs> that Brothers book is on that i've yes. actually released an episode about it i've I read oh, it and i talked seriously? about it for like 40 minutes because i'm like this is this is well it's funny because that's my second favorite book ever my favorite book ever is the alchemist which yeah. listeners here probably know because i've talked about it love that as well but they also talk one of my favorite books it talks about like you know the, the the language of the universe and how like everything's connected and how the wind and the earth and the soul and how like everything is is here and and so uh, yeah i i think that connectedness is, is such a powerful wow. way to put that together so that's super Super cool that your brain told you that while you were while you were mid REM cycle. <laughs> right, absolutely. That's when it happened. It's, I'm just appreciating how cool it is that you love the Alchemist and the Book of Joy. Man, oh, you are you are books. so awake for a young man here, Tim. This is it's such a so cool, such an honor, and so cool to be on your podcast. I, I two of my favorite books as well. Honestly, the Alchemist I read uh, probably when it close to when it first came out. I you know several years ago and really was inspirational to me. Just thinking about you know, what is the universe? Yeah. What is the Andy universe that I am, you know, mythically somehow controlling? It's, it's back to that control word a little bit, isn't it? You know, yeah. like we may be controlling things we don't even realize. So why not put out the good stuff? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so we can control some of that. And in the book of joy, literally, 
I was reading that when I was in the chemotherapy chair for the first time when I first had stage four cancer. So it has a special place. Wow. That must've, that must've helped a lot. It did. It <laughs> Wor- did. Words of wisdom. Well, let's, we, we've been talking about great things, but let's, let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about that story a bit. Cause I'm mm-hmm. curious the Andy, the pre-cancer Andy, as opposed mm-hmm. to the, the post-cancer Andy, like what yeah. was, what was life like a couple of years before you found out you had stage four cancer. Mm. Yeah, a couple of years before, I, I will go there. I'm, I'm feeling that, that I want to answer it starting with this, which is um, I really can't emphasize enough the value of as a then 24-year-old going on my first silent retreat. This is at a place here in Minnesota called DeMontreville. And I mention this because as a 24-year-old, uh, I think that was my age at the time, it was just such a breath of fresh air. And out of all the, you know, uh, Rainer Maria Rilke calls it the unanswered questions in my heart, hmm. out of all the things I was struggling with at the time and felt were like, oh, this is life-changing, I must, you know, solve this problem. Um, I go back and look at my notes from that retreat. I'm like, oh, yeah, that turned out to not be a thing <laughs> at all. Or mostly it's gratitude, thankfulness just for putting that seed of, of uh, experiencing a silent retreat, which I know some people are still like, what, what the heck is a silent retreat? That sounds kind of goofy. Yes, it is a little bit kind of monk light, but uh, I, I've, I've had huge profits from it over spiritual profit, I might add, from it over the years. So I mentioned that, Tim, because having that experience and of, of having going, of going on retreats um, really grounded me in the sense that I, I, I'm funny, I know we're going a lot in the spiritual direction today, but that's, that's where I'm feeling called today, is it just helped me realize that no matter what else is going on, I, I do know that God loves me and that um, and that it's it's my partnership with him that matters the most in my life. Hmm. And I mean that in a very, I don't mean that in a platitude kind of, you know, dogma sort of way. I mean it in a personal relationship way. Um, so, you know, I, I promise I will come back and answer your question about the two <laughs> no, years prior. Keep going, um, you're good. <laughs> but but the, I'll, I'll kind of go forward in time now, then I'll go back slightly. Speaking of this personal relationship with God, and, and you asked earlier, you know, what, what's a time where I was really tasting those lemons and, and not in a good spot? I can remember, um, this is after I went through all the stage four cancer uh, treatments. It was two major surgeries, 12 rounds of chemotherapy. That second surgery just kicked my butt. It was like I had it within, I don't know, 30 or 60 days. And man, it, it was tough. And then, so after all that, I had been cancer-free for close to a year where they were, you know, Mayo Clinic was doing scans on me and everything looked looking good. And then they found a seven millimeter spot on my liver. And so this, just so you know, this stage four cancer had spread so far. It was covered like both sides of my liver. It was, it was all over, right? It was, it was crazy. The first thing they told my wife was, you might just need to make him comfortable. Like he might be, he might be done for. Hmm. So thank God we got to Mayo Clinic. She got us, my wife got us to the Mayo Clinic to get a second opinion and they put a plan together. 
But you can imagine after all that we'd gone through and just hoping and praying that I would be able to, you know, just see the next year, frankly. And it's like, what? Like this actually worked. Like I'm cancer free. That's amazing. And then they found the seven millimeter spot and I was just, uh, I, I was, I was pissed off, honestly. And I can remember um, going out for a run in, in the middle of the day, probably a Saturday. And soon after we discovered this seven millimeter spot and just jogging and running like as fast as I like angry running here. Like, and mm -hmm. I'm just, and I'm like praying kind of yelling at the same time to God, like, God, don't you see what this is doing to me and doing to my family? Like I've got three teenagers at home and like, is this your plan? Is this your will that you're going to help my wife and me have this wonderful family and then just wipe me off the face of the earth? Like, your will be done. But for the record, I don't think that's a good plan. Like, <laughs> let me just say that. And you know what? This, I am so pissed off that this cancer has come back and this, this seven millimeter spot is here. Like, come on. Like, if you God, if, if you want to take me, is that what you're trying to do? You're trying to just wipe me off the face of the earth now? Then take me now. Like, I literally said that. Like, get, me, get it done with. Stop putting my family through this. And nothing happened. <laughs> and I was still there. But I was honest with God. And that turned out to be, you know, the angriest day of my life about cancer. And mm. I got it out of my system. And you know what? A couple of months later, like the official recommendation prescription for after they found that seven millimeter spot, they had like debated, oh, should we restart chemo maybe? What should we do here? And uh, thank God the, the lead liver surgeon, his name is Dr. Mark Trudy. He's amazing. He said, let's wait. Let's just bring him back in two months for a scan instead of three months. And part of me is like, uh, no, <laughs> like whatever's in there, let's get it out of there. <laughs> um, the other part is like two months, like what am I supposed to do in two months? Like just worry about this, right? What's, what's, what am I supposed to do? And you know what? They brought me back, but, but I trusted this guy with my life, literally, right? And yeah. he had not done me wrong initially. Amazing what they can do with surgeries. Brought me back for scans in two months. And, and you know what they found? The spot had disappeared. The spot was gone. So, so much for, um, you know, like three cheers for not over worrying, right? And thank God we didn't restart chemo because it turned out to apparently not be cancer. Or if it was, it disappeared. But this stuff happens. Like you can't make this stuff up, right? Hmm. But it's, it's part of what I will just say briefly again about that's how I've been able to find the gifts in cancer is I, I called the seven millimeters that came back. I literally wrote a little note on my iPhone called seven millimeters of encouragement. Cause when this came back, I thought, okay, what can I do now? Right? What's the encouragement? What am I feeling called to do that? I should keep doing. What mm. could I do differently? Just like you did with your January and February experiment, Tim, right? Like, yeah. oh, here's, here's what I noticed. <laughs> here's the seven millimeters that Mayo noticed. Okay, what can I do now? What do I want to do differently? And so taking that, that finding ways to get inspiration out of that, I mean, in a sense, that seven millimeters was a great gift to me. 
because look at what it got me to. It got me to be honest with God. It got me to, to you know, clarify that, that, I mean, in that moment of that, that angry prayer, um, I realized my family's lives, I, for me, my kids' lives are more important than mine. That, and, and as weird as it is for me to say that even now, but, you know, it, it was a touchstone moment for me to say, um, see what this is doing to my family, not just what this was doing to me. So that's another mm. gift of the way it pulled it out of, it pulled this cancer out of me in a sense, right? Or as, we don't know if it was cancer or not at that moment. But that was a great gift to me to have that awareness, to be able to make that prayer. And then the seven millimeter spot disappeared. And it mm. turns out I was cancer free for two and a half years uh, mm. total until it, it came back just a couple months ago. Hmm. Wow. So it's like it hits you in the face with what was important to you almost. Yes, totally true. That's what it was. Huh. Okay. So you've mentioned, I'm, I'm curious now how you, you view this whole gifts of cancer thing, because like, is there one that just sticks out or is it almost like as time goes on, you just keep noticing you know, like, is there, is there like, this is the main gift. And then there's all these, it's like mm. Christmas morning, right? Here's my big gift. And then here's all my, my little <laughs> yeah. ones. Or is it just analogy. kind of like, is it just yeah. kind of like a thing that just as time keeps going on, you just keep picking up on more and more things. I love it. It's, it's a great analogy. Was there <laughs> one, it's like, yeah, was there one big gift? Boy, there are there are so many, honestly, and um, this is as I may have mentioned to you earlier, privately before the podcast started. Um, I've, I've decided that I'm gonna write a book, and it's gonna be called "The Gifts of Cancer." Nice. There's, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a lot of gifts that that I'll we'll see about if there. I can can crack the top three next to Alchemist and Book of Joy. Ooh, ooh, okay. <laughs> so you got a challenge. You got a challenge. <laughs> game on, man. Okay, let's see if I can do that. I love that challenge. Yes. Um, and so, if there was one, I, I would I would say it's it's probably this. Just that, um, like life is short, and so get your most important work done now. Like really don't wait and don't let the pressures of the world, other people's expectations, your own old story of expectations, what you may have heard a teacher or a parent or somebody else say, don't let that crap drive you. You know, yes, of course, in the spirit of like healthy competition, get inspired by other people who inspire you, but don't, don't constantly compare yourself to others and be wondering if you're meeting their expectations you, you already know in your heart and in your bones, like the work you're meant to do. I, I believe that. And I, I feel it. Of course, there are people who can help us get there. Uh, coaches, teachers, parents, spouses, kids, that can help us realize that more fully. But yeah, it's, it's, I love your question, Tim, because if, if I had to pick one great gift, it was just, it was that sudden awareness when stage four cancer first hit, where, you know, literally I thought I might be dead soon. Hmm. I mean, that's how serious it was. And to have that realization that, oh, crap, seriously, my, wife, my, my life might be over soon. Um, damn it. I, I, 
people have told me that I'd make a great coach forever. Um, but frankly, I'd kind of lulled myself into being this IT leader and leading IT teams. And yes, of course, you use coaching with that, but not in the really fully studied professional coaching. I'm talking about a, a, mm. you know executive coaching, career coaching sort of stuff. It's an actual discipline. It's I will just say briefly, it's different from mentorship. Um, it's different from leading and managing, and definitely different from advice giving. Um, so I decided. And, and I literally was 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 calling the University of St. Thomas Executive Coaching Program leads when I'm on the in the chemo chair at Mayo Clinic, <laughs> just saying uh, I can't quite explain why, but I just feel called to enroll in your coaching program, and I'd like to enroll coming up. So so I'm literally attending. I I, I got enrolled, and there's a long story about how much pain it took me just to get enrolled there but I'm literally wearing my chemotherapy pack in the first day of class. Like that's how committed I was to know. I feel this in my bones. I got to be a coach. I got to learn how to be a better coach. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to grad school. I'm going to get it. And you know what? So I completed that one year program, got um, their graduate certificate and that I'd never been to grad school before. And I, and I got that graduate certificate. Then uh, mm. within six months, I got my certification from the international coaching federation um, the other thing it really called me to do, uh, the cancer was, um, I've been a musician for ever since I was a kid. And it's something that kind of like friendships, this hasn't occurred to me till now, but kind of like those friendships like Mac Cherry that I just decided I'm going to keep a little music going in my life. It's something that keeps me creative, keeps me alive, fully human, fully alive. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be a musician, but you know, I've been talking about forever doing an album of my original material. I finally got it done and you can. See behind me, I actually released my album about a year after I completed my cancer, cancer treatments. And the final thing I'll mention, you know, so this is all part of the one big, talk about a big yeah. gift, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's what I realized the work I had to do. And the other thing I'll mention is, um, like, and this was my most, you know, sincerest um, and, and humblest, but perhaps in the way of the proudest prayer, God, just keep, help me be a daddy. Like, I just, I always want to keep being a daddy. Like these, these kids, I love being a dad. They're wonderful human beings. I just want to keep being around and, and having great conversations with my son and my two daughters. And I want to be a great husband as well. Like, like literally, I know this is kind of the bargaining phase of, of hmm. loss, you know, and challenges, right? But it, it was the bargaining of, Seriously, God, you can take away like, like, what do you want? You want a leg? Like, just take this stuff away. Just help me be a dad. Like, if I could just do that, um, I could be a happy man. Hmm. Wow. You know, I, I'm a big believer in, in this mind helping the body. I, I believe in that relationship. Yeah. And I think you touched on it. But, you know, I've heard stories before of people who like, you know, maybe like for example had terminal cancer and the the family decided to not tell him because they mm. thought that that if he knew he would just give up and he would quit and then his body would once he mentally quit his body would also quit yes. and i there's no way to prove this but man it's you know you had so much to look forward to even though you were technically like on your deathbed like you know mm -hmm. but you I just, I, I'm so curious how much of a factor that played into you being able to come over that because in that moment you weren't like, it's it. That's, I got nothing. 
you literally were like, I'm going to do this, this, and this. Yeah. And I'm just, I mean, again, there's, pro- there's no way to test this, but I, I feel like there's no way that did contribute to a little bit of, of, you know, just your healing. Mm-hmm. No way it didn't contribute. I am totally with you, man. Abs- absolutely. Hmm. You know, I want to give one more shout out to my amazing wife because <laughs> when they, you know, the first exam they did um, here in the Twin Cities where um, they found that it was most likely cancer, most likely stage four, very bad. I was still waking up from the anesthesia. And uh, my wife, who, thank God, she's a go-getter, she was asking the doctor questions like, oh, so, so what is it? Like, what do, you, what do you think? And she's like, well, it could be the, it could be cancer, it could be something else. Like, no, she's like, seriously, no. What, you do these all the time. What, what's your opinion? And he's, he's just like, he said, it, it looks really bad. Uh, it it's, looks like cancer could be stage four. You might just need to make him comfortable. So she got this news. Mm. And then all of a sudden, in, in the course of just probably a couple minutes, I was like starting to wake up. And the nurse like was coaching my wife to say, well, no, don't tell your husband because then, you know, he won't, he might lose his will to live. Like, let's, let's keep this under wraps. And my wife held that in her heart. She did not tell me that that's what they said. I, I knew, because I asked the doctor myself when I woke up, he's like, yeah, it's probably cancer. We want to look, you know, probably want to look into it. Like, wow, okay. So I knew it was serious. I didn't know it was like stage four, you might need to make me comfortable kind of thing. My wife held that wow. in her heart until we, about three weeks later, I believe it was, got down to the Mayo Clinic. And... They said, we don't want to be Pollyanna-ish, but we see tough cases a lot. We're going to put a plan together. And that's when my wife burst into tears. And, she's, and I said, what's wrong, honey? She's like, I've been waiting for weeks for somebody to give us hope. And that's when I heard what, what she had done for me. So not only do I believe that my attitude had an influence, we can help the attitudes of others, right? Like yeah. <laughs> I said to my wife after that, like, like, Number one, please don't do that again. Please don't keep something from me. And second, thank you for doing it then because that was perfect, right? That's, this, that's just what I needed. Um, look, look at how she, how my wife influenced me and my ability to go through that and say, oh, what is it? And what do I want out of my life still? Hmm. I, I distinctly believe that she working with me and my attitude and all the powers of prayers and angels and saints and the uh, great professional team at Mayo Clinic and elsewhere. That's what got me through cancer. All of it. I I don't care which one did it. (laughs) I think it was a, I think it was, I think it was a team effort. And, Hmm. and to your point, I do believe attitude made a difference. Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, this, this brings me to, to the, the, the big theme that I, I remember I mentioned to you before we even had this conversation Mm -hmm. because you were extremely thoughtful when you said, well, what, you know, what's the big theme you want to talk about in, I feel like we're at that point now in the conversation where I want to bring up the big theme, which is, you know, you mentioned your main gift is just like, it was like, okay, like you actually viewed your life as a, this might be over soon. And I got all these things that I, I should be doing, which is more music and, and coaching. And, and now, I mean, that coaching has evolved to you writing a book and spend more time with my kids. And, you know, that's evolved to great memories. And, 
you know, how do, how does someone like me or somebody listening to this who hasn't been through cancer be able to have that moment where it's like, wait a second, like we could, we could literally like, this could be over tomorrow for any of us. We don't know yeah. Yeah. how, how do, you know, like, how would you, and again, this is a tough question, but mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like in your coaching, maybe, or like maybe as an example out there, but some way that you've been able to say, Hey, look, like this can happen now, you know? Cause I think there's, yeah. and whether you're at a stage where it's like, I have no idea, or maybe there's that stage of like, I kind of think I know what I want to do, but I'm not doing it. Like mm-hmm. everyone's at their own stage, but man, I want to be able to harness that energy and that mm-hmm. feeling of like necessity and be able to spread that all around everybody. <laughs> yeah, I love that. It is a big question. And like the first thing that comes to mind and to my heart too, is that everybody of course has to live their own life, right? Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've got things I've experienced. You've have things you've experienced and, and you're already a very wise young man. Everybody listening to this has things they've experienced and they know the challenges on their heart. Like, Everybody we meet is fighting a battle we know nothing about, right? And so, so I would say, first of all, don't be afraid to go internal and to spend time on that. We've, we've touched on that a little bit, whether it's, hmm. you know, just a minute of meditation or it's a three-day silent retreat, whatever works for you to, to come back to yourself. I've studied the Enneagram lately and I'm getting into that and, a lot of that work is really about coming home to yourself. You know, what is, what is this, what, mm. what did, you know, God put in your bones to begin with that, that just over time and over, you know, expectations of the world, whatever it might be, it's kind of, you put layers on that and kind of maybe covered up some of those things that you really wanted to be when you grew up, however you define growing up. Right. Mm. So that's the first thing I would say is just be, be willing to, um, Give yourself the gift of, of time for that self-coaching, awareness, reflection, hmm. um, whatever it takes for you. For me, you know, if, if it's on my calendar, it's real. If it's not, eh, I may or may not do it. If it's on my <laughs> list, right? It's real. So, for, you know, that's just one technique I use is I put something literally on my calendar to say, you know, do your, do your prayers, do your qigong, do your exercise, um, go to your retreat, uh, which I do on an annual basis and just for me, that is a coming home. It's a checking in with, with God to say, how am I doing? What should I be doing more of? What should I be doing less of? Um, every, I've done it every, pretty much every year. I've been on 20 of them now, more than 20 of them. So, mm-hmm. but, but you, everybody listening has their own stuff that's coming up for them now, I sense in their hearts right now. We're like, yeah, there is something that I remember thinking about as a kid that I wanted to do and people said I was good at but then I, you know, got some feedback that maybe I wasn't as good as I thought I should be. So I gave it up or somebody else was better in my class. And so I, I stopped doing it. Like pay attention to that stuff. Hmm. Um, you, you know, in your heart and you know, the people around you that you can trust to give those messages. So that's, that's something, I don't know. Did I even yeah. answer your question? No, that was great. <laughs> I mean, the right away, you said something that I was like, whoa, that's a really good point, which, and you didn't directly say this, but it was almost like you have to live out your story. You have to, mm. like, you can't, 
we're going back to the alchemist. You, you, you don't, you don't decide that you want the treasure. And then the next day, the treasure is there, you know, like there's this process of, of going internal and understanding that, okay, I, I do, I do want to prioritize what's important, but I might not know what's fully important. Or I might not know what my passions are for a lot of kids out there. You know, you, you might, you might not know. And so like you said, like maybe, maybe somebody hasn't had that big lesson yet. Maybe in a couple of years, they're going to go through something that's going to then be the thing that directs them somewhere else. But if you make the choice to just go internal right now, you're going to be more ready to receive those messages from the universe or the world uh, or God or whatever people choose to, you know, believe in. And then you'll be ready to keep directing your life towards those important things if you're more like, you know, aware, going back to our first word, aware, yes. you know, more aware of what's, what's happening. So again, I, yeah, I love, <laughs> I love the answer because I think that, you know, again, that's something that people can all do no matter where they're at, no matter if they have this grand idea for something or they have no clue, it's just to start going inside and saying, all right, like, you know, let's just sit with this and what yeah. can I do? And, and, and those retreats obviously sound like they, that's on my bucket list, but it sounds like that's a lot of time to give yourself. And I'm, I'm sure you go through some, some good reflection there. So you, uh, you answered it perfectly. Once again, I, I, <laughs> it just came from your heart. So it was good. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. And I, I know our, uh, um, our, our time is limited here. I'll just say uh, two quick things if, if I may. Yeah. One is you're right about the, the silent retreats. And I, I didn't, I didn't come into this thinking I was, I needed to be a salesman for DeMontreville Retreat House, but uh, it, it's just been such, so valuable in my life. And you're right, three days is a long time, but just, just to know there's, there's spiritual guidance going on throughout that, right? And you can, you can talk to a pastor anytime. And the way I talk to other people about it is that, yeah, three days is a long time, like in a weekend in the summer in Minnesota, like you got to take advantage of that, get out on the boat, right? Do all the, have a cookout, all this great stuff. Yes. And you know what? Three days is less than 1% of your year. Yeah. <laughs> and who, who among us isn't giving like at least 1%, if not 5% or more to your 401k and imagining <laughs> that, that, well, that doesn't make a difference. It's only 1%. It's only 5%. No, I'm calling bullshit on that. Like <laughs> it makes a difference. And, and kind of further to your point, Tim, slow and steady wins the race. Some people will say, and I also say, and I, I, I would leverage another word you use, which is, you know, cumulative effect. Hmm. You know, this, the habits that you can build now, especially, you know, what a gift to be a young person these days and have all the great gifts of technology and everything else around you. And you've got time on your side, yeah. right? You've, you can, you, the habits you can start now can reap dividends way beyond what I've ever experienced, you know? And as now a 51-year-old, a, a I'm like, I'm, I'm planning on getting to at least 80. So I got a lot of, I got a lot of <laughs> runway too. I'm not going to waste any time. Yeah. And I actually yeah. had a, a um, may I share just a, a brief quote that I found in preparing for this that I think res might resonate with your listeners. Yeah, go for it. All right. I had mentioned this, um, this writer, this poet, uh, Rainer Maria Rilke, uh, lived, I think, about uh, a little over 100 years ago. But this, I, this first came to me from actually the retreats. Somebody had quoted it as, be patient with the unanswered questions in your heart. And I just thought, well, isn't that an interesting, you know, 
phrase. And here's actually the full, still short, I promise, but, but, <laughs> but the full reading of it, because I think it's even more beautiful and more poignant for, for all of us. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves. Try to love the questions themselves. Hmm. Like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Getting emotional as I read this. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. Isn't that beautiful? Just living with the questions. As my former leader said, you know, admiring the problem. So I think it's, I feel it as a both and, you know, like if I had to put it as a, as a phrase, it's like, life is short, cancer optional, you know, <laughs> like uh, a third of all men are going to get cancer in their lifetimes. Half of all women will get cancer in their lifetimes. So there's, there's a high probability it's going to, it's going to hit you as a listener. And it hit me, but you know what? I am just so thankful that before cancer hit, I had, even though I made a lot of bad choices and choices I would say I regretted, I made some good choices. And this investing in listening to what was in my heart and what I really felt I needed to do, regardless of comparing myself to anybody else, that's what helped me build the foundation, if you will, of that pyramid that I could then add on to in a big, bold way when cancer hit. I'm like, ah, darn it. I knew this. I knew I should have gotten some coaching training before. Now I'm going to do it. Yeah. But, but the, the blessing is you don't need to wait for that. You can just do it now. Yeah. Just do it now. Yeah. Wow, Andy truly had so much to share with us there. And before you go, I want to leave a call to action for listeners. And the call to action is take 10 to 15 minutes and sit down and think about what are the gifts of your experiences, right? For Andy, it was cancer. He thought about the gifts of cancers. For you, what is it? Maybe for you, it's also cancer. Maybe for you, it's a battle with mental health or a relationship, or maybe it's something smaller, like even just you don't like your job and you want to figure out what are the gifts, what are the things that that is teaching you in itself. And if you can't think of anything on your own, there's obviously this big coronavirus and self-quarantine and, and what has this whole situation taught you about yourself or about the world or you know what gifts has it left you that you can now take forward and bring with you in the rest of your experience. And so that would be my call to action for listeners. And I think it's truly a powerful thing if we can find the gifts in our negative experiences and the things that really we struggle with and then take those things forward and become better people for it and serve the world in a bigger way because of it. So I hope you can take this information with you, act on it, and start to make those dreams a reality. I'll see you next time.